good morning, everybody. Great to see everybody here today. And uh, thank you so very much for coming. It's a privilege and honor to have everyone here today. And uh, our guests that are here today, welcome. Glad to see you. And thank you for coming and making Grace Church a little better. Thank the Lord. Appreciate all of you and uh, expecting just wonderful things to happen today. Thank the Lord. Let's stand together and uh, let's invite the presence of the Lord. I always want God to know he's welcome. <clears throat> and uh, we, we always want the presence of the Lord here. If, if he wasn't here, then there wouldn't be a whole lot of point in us being here either. And i uh, very passionate about that. Always want Jesus to be with us. So let's pray and ask the Lord to have his way today, shall we? Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for this amazing moment, this amazing time. And I pray, God, that you would move today in this service, that the Spirit of the Lord would work, that you would have your way, that your will would be done. We want to be open to your purpose. We want to be open to your will. And uh, help us today to follow the leading of your Spirit. We pray, God, that you would touch our hearts, that you would challenge our minds. Just ask you, God, to do everything here today that's in your will, that's in your purpose, and we will be forever grateful for that in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. We want to open our service today with a very special event, very special occasion, and uh, that is to uh, dedicate a child to the Lord. And uh, what a wonderful privilege, what a wonderful opportunity, and I'm always thankful, always thankful for this very sweet, this very tender moment. And uh, so uh, you may be seated, and uh, we're going to invite uh, Chris and Hannah, if they would, to come and um, just stand behind me, and then I'll go down and stand in front of them. Uh, but today we're going to dedicate... Miss Willow Grace Lewis to the Lord and uh, she was born July uh, 22nd 2022 and I know you're not supposed to divulge you know the weight of a young lady but she did weigh 6 pounds and 8 ounces when she was born and they always say that babies are measured in length but you reach a point at some time in your life where you're, you're measured in height and I'm not sure when that occurs, but I'd just like to say she was 20 inches tall when she was born. And, uh, but uh, and today she is almost seven months old. So we congratulate uh, Chris and Hannah on finally having a little girl added to the family. Uh, what, on the fifth try? That ought to encourage some of you folks to just keep on going, right? So... Uh, uh, you never know what might happen. So, but God bless you guys. Gorgeous, gorgeous baby. I'm going to walk down there, and then Brother Dave will come join you folks in just a moment. The precedent for the ceremony of baby dedication, according to most standards and most beliefs, is found in... Um, 1 Samuel chapter 1, when Hannah 
Samuel's mother brought him to the Lord to have him dedicated to the Lord. But uh, Jesus made the tremendous statement, and we quote it oftentimes around here, whether we're dedicating a baby or not. But that is when he said to consider. Jesus said, consider the little ones. Infinite purpose. And they're infinitely precious. He said, suffer or allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The purpose of baby dedication is really to be found in the purpose of the parents. And I've believed this for a long time. By bringing their children for dedication, parents signify their faith in God. I'm giving, God, I'm giving you my baby back. Takes a lot of faith to do that. Takes a lot of trust to do that. They also indicate their desire that their children will be born again at some point in the future and that that child will grow up to serve the Lord with all of their lives. <clears throat> so understand this act of dedication will not make Willow Grace or any other child a Christian, but is a starting point. It's a starting point from which to teach her of Christ. And if you would, I'm going to ask the Lewis and Tipler family to stand for a moment, wherever you are in the building. Thank you if you'd stand. <clears throat> you are the safety net. You're the safety net, if you will, that Cohen, Baylor, Abel, Judah, and now Willow Grace must have and need. In times of trouble, you can add strength and care and certainly prayer to this family that will have tremendous impact. You may spoil this baby girl. You probably have spoiled this baby girl and give her things that her dad and mother either cannot or will not give her. You'll go ahead and take care of that. And Sister Murphy and I suffer with similar issues along with Gray when it comes to our two. And because you're grandparents, you are grandparents, you're more experienced in life and in the Lord, and so you can help show and teach this family to trust Jesus in all of their life decisions. If they will always remember to put him first, if Chris and Hannah would always remember to put Jesus first, if you'll always do that and live according to his plans, their lives would be much stronger and much richer. Thank you, and you may be seated. But we trust in your prayers and support for this wonderful family. So rightly understood, Chris and Hannah, the ceremony is one of dedication by the parents. Uh, as you as parents are pledging, you're, you're pledging yourselves today to obey the commandment of the Apostle Paul when he said, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So, Chris, it is your responsibility to provide not only the material needs, but also the spiritual covering for your sweet daughter. In the Bible, a man was called the priest of the home. And at the Passover feast in Egypt, in the book of Exodus, he applied a blood covering over his home, over the doorpost of his home to protect his household. You will be called upon to correct to God and live a Christian example for will of grace from this point on. 
You must protect her as she grows to a beautiful young woman. This is the hard part. At some point, you'll have to let her go. It's the hardest part of all, I suppose. But the safety and provision for her life is in your hands, and it's your responsibility. Hannah, you will be the primary example of Jesus that Willow Grace will see for many, many years. From the crib and in your arms, she will look to you for love, for security, and for care. She should see only tenderness, gentleness, and a purity in life and love. What you say, what you do, and what you teach must be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask everybody to stand behind me. We're going to, Brother Dave is going to join with them. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for this family. We're going to pray for this baby. Grace Church, we're living, and we all know this, but we're living in the most challenging times we've ever lived. The family has never been assaulted like it is now. From every angle you can imagine, the family in our culture is being assaulted, and we need to pray a blood covering over this one standing behind me and their other four boys. So today, Willow Grace Lewis, in the name of Jesus, you sweet, beautiful baby, we dedicate you to the Lord. And I pray for his protection, his blessing upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother David, you pray. Let's everybody join with him and let's pray for this beautiful family today. Shall we, Jesus, we love you today and we're thankful that where so much in our culture today is crumbling around us, we know that we still stand on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will not fail. You're not powerless, you're not helpless. And even though things are the way they are around us, you can put your hand on this family and they can be successful in their relationship with you, raising their child under the umbrella, the auspices of the Word of God, the power of God. And I pray, God, that you would keep their faith strong, that you would keep them fervent, that you would keep them passionate about their love for you, to have their home, God, to be as healthy, as strong and powerful in you as it can be. And God, I pray for this church today, not just with Willow Grace, but with all of our children, that we will embrace our kids, that we would be a positive impact on our kids, that we would pray for them consistently, that they would grow up to be great adolescents, great young people, great in college, great in marriage, great in parenting their own kids one day, that they would all serve you with all of their heart. We cling, God, to this promise. We cling to this promise in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise today. <clears throat> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you guys. Everybody remain standing as uh, our worship team and Brother Ben comes in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. We love our children here at Grace. God is good to us, and I know when I stand here, it's an obstacle between you and some enthusiastic worship and praise, right? Right? Praise the Lord. Just a few things to make, uh, make you aware of today. Tuesday, February 14th, we'll have our Tuesday morning prayer in the sanctuary at 10 a.m. 
Sunday, February 19th, where we'll have our annual business meeting at the A Center at 6 p.m. Wednesday, February 22nd is the last day to sign up for the ladies' tea that we held at the Cottage Tea Room. On Sunday, February 26th, there is a category that has been set up on our Easy Pay. Uh, the cost is $25, and the ages are 12 and up. And finally, on March 19th or March 9th through 11th, will be the Women's Conference in Tioga. Praise the Lord. Let's begin this morning with a hand clap of praise to the Lord. We love our Lord. We appreciate His grace and mercy. Let's worship this morning, Grace.
Red. 
oh come on right here in this atmosphere I just don't want to rush it right now there are a lot of needs in this place there are some people that feel so broken they don't know what to do these are some confusing times and we're just trying to get through it God we need you Lord we need you Lord we need you Lord just to be close to you just to be close to you just to be
Let's entertain the presence of God for a moment. Let's praise Him. Everybody all across the building today, would you lift your heart, your face to the Lord? Does anybody here today want to be close to Him? Does anybody here today hunger to be in His presence? Everybody lift Him up. Everybody worship Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. consistently and faithfully in the presence of the Lord. Thank the Lord. I, I value what I'm feeling here today. And I'm hungry for more of it. Thank the Lord. Again, it's great to see all of you here. I'd like to call your attention to the Word of God. I'm very happy to announce that our connect groups have launched. Uh, we were a part of one last night that was just absolutely phenomenal. And I uh, want to just encourage our Connect Group leaders, put all your heart into it, and you want to impact as many people's lives as you can, no matter what it is that you're doing. Give it all you've got. I want to make a statement or two before I read my scripture text today. I know just from knowledge talking to a number of our church families and various people I suppose everyone here today has something in your path there's things you'd like to do and particularly in your relationship with God but maybe otherwise there's things that you'd like to do that you're pursuing but there's just something in your path I want to read a scripture today, and a lot of people have taken it out of context, even though it sounds so literal, and it is literal, but there's context to it, and I think sometimes we lose the context. But there's people here today that has, for example, a marital situation that just, it's just tough, it's just hard. There may be children here today whose moms and dads just divorced. And they have that ahead of them. I know of people that are on the verge of divorce. Don't seem to be able to work out their differences. There's moral issues. 
There's domestic issues. There's financial issues. There's sicknesses, diseases. The list is, is long. And, and you'd be, I think we'd all be amazed if I, asked, if I asked for a show of hands today how many people, how many families here today are something, there's something in front of you that just keeps life mired at some point I think hands would go, go up all over the building I want to talk to you about that today I believe the Bible has an answer for everything it has an answer for everything our issue, our challenge is to trust it talked to this, somebody about this just, just this week how challenging it is sometimes just to trust God when he don't say nothing to you he don't give you any ideas he don't give you any answers in Mark chapter 11 verse 23 Jesus said for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed it shall be cast into the sea And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. That's a pretty strong statement. It's a very strong statement. But there's context to it. I think this is where people get crossways sometimes with the Bible is there's context that you don't see. Did it ever occur to you that Jesus prayed for his mountain to be removed? He did. If it be possible, let these things pass from me, speaking of Mount Calvary. And it didn't happen. So if his mountain of that magnitude wasn't removed then I think sometimes when you consider all the context of the will and purpose of God there's going to be things in our life that we just have to trust God and deal with it I'm trying to be very real here today just have to deal with it I want to talk to you for a little while today about an immovable mountain an immovable mountain. Everybody say thank God for the word. God bless you and you may be seated. Mark Udall said, senator from Colorado, former senator from Colorado, said you don't climb mountains without a team. And you don't climb mountains without being fit. You don't climb mountains without being prepared and you don't climb mountains without balancing the risks and rewards and you never climb a mountain on accident it has to be intentional John Muir said the mountains are calling and I must go there was a question came to a pastor after he had preached on the text in Mark that says It's our text that I just read. Jesus said, whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have 
whatsoever he saith. Woman came to him after that sermon, and apparently the lady's mountain hadn't moved. But I do think the good pastor answered with somewhat and was somewhat inspired, gave her good advice when he said, Some mountains in life are to be climbed, some mountains in life are to be conquered, and some mountains in life are to be commanded. I'm asking everybody here today to think about health issues in your family, sicknesses, diseases that you've been prayed over, over and over. There's people here today with events in your life that God needs to step in. If anything is going to work out, God's going to have to step in and work it out. I want everybody to think about that. Be very personal with this message today. There's people here with, you're personally having health issues. You have health issues in your family. You have job issues. You have domestic issues, marital issues, all of that. I was in a place of business this past week and they had this picture hanging on the wall if they'll put that on the screen I looked at that picture and I looked away but something went off in my head and I looked back and I stared at that picture I was waiting for someone to step into this little room for consultation and I stared at that picture, and I finally just got out my phone and took a picture of it. Does anybody see anything odd about this picture? It looks to me like, and I studied it for a while, I, I stared at that picture a good five minutes, and I was very close to it. I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I see this nice paved road that has the center line stripes, but it doesn't go through that mountain it's not going over it, and I can't see where the road's taking a right or a left to go around it. And when I looked at that, things just started going off in my head. It really challenged my thinking. I would love to know who painted it. I looked for a name. I didn't see a name on it. But I'd love to find out who painted that picture. I'd love to know what their mindset was. What were they thinking when they were inspired to paint this picture? It may be a computer-generated thing, but somebody, as far as I'm concerned, had the thought that there is a wonderful paved road that looks really nice to the right and left, but straight ahead, there's an impossibility, a virtual impossibility straight ahead. My question is how foolish would the person be to build a road like that and then just have it dead in right there. And you'll also notice the artist didn't bother to portray any kind of traffic on that road. There's no cars, there's no bicycles, there's nobody walking. Nobody would have any desire to travel that road because it doesn't go anywhere. And there's people sitting in this building today, and I hope with all of my heart you'll respond today to the Word of God because God wants to talk to you. I'm going to ask you to take this very personal. 
But it seems like God paved a road for a lot of people here today just like that one for you to walk on. And it makes no sense. The statement that the pastor made to the woman, some mountains in life are to be climbed, some are to be conquered, and some are to be commended. That statement is the fulcrum upon which this message is balanced. It could even be said that some mountains in life are cordoned off, that is, to prevent people from getting into an area by putting a line of people or objects around it. That happened with Moses. When God took him up into the mount to give him the tablets of stone, which God wrote with his own finger the commandments of God, what came to be known as the law of Moses. Moses was allowed to go up there, but he was given very clear instructions. Don't let the people get close to this mountain. He'll kill them if they do. So we all know here today, if you have any knowledge of Scripture at all, that mountains play a big role in Scripture. Noah's Ark rested on Mount Ararat. The sacrifice of Isaac, or the attempted sacrifice of Isaac, was on Mount Moriah, just referred to it. The law was given on Mount Sinai. Caleb asked for a mountain when they crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. He waited some 40 years, but he said, I want that mountain. But if he was going to possess it, he would have to conquer it. There's a lot of material in all of this. Solomon's temple was built on top of Mount Zion. Elijah and the prophets of Baal fought it out on the top of Mount Carmel. The second temptation of Jesus was on a mountain. The transfiguration of Jesus was on a mountain. That both Moses and Jesus was gloriously transformed on mountains. It speaks to us that mountains represent in Scripture high places. Mountains in the Bible communicate to us as places of high communion and close intimacy with God. If you take out the mountains that I just mentioned, if all of these people that were facing a mountain or an event on a mountain and said, be thou removed, and God moved it away, you'd have a lot of holes in the Bible. If Abraham had said, God, remove this mountain you want me to sacrifice my son on. Imagine the hole that would be left in the Bible. And all of that applies to all of these very powerful biblical stories. Today we'll begin with the statement of Caleb that tells us that some mountains in life are not to be removed, but they are to be conquered. Want everybody to understand what I'm preaching here today. For a mountain to be conquered, it has to be climbed. And it can be slow and it can be tedious. And I want everybody to look at the situation in your life. I know, I want to say in all due respect, we say we have a lot of faith, we say we have a lot of trust, but bottom line, we're spoiled. I have this 
thing in front of me. And I've prayed about it. I've had people tell me that. I've had people tell me this week that, Pastor, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. The people that told me that are here today. And it just won't go away. It won't fix. It won't repair. I, I can't get my head around why God don't work this out for me. I'm sure there's people here today that you have something wrong with you physically. Maybe disease in your body you've been prayed for over and over. You may have a family member that has disease and they've been prayed for over and over. The pastor's prayed for them. Evangelist has prayed for them. You've gone to places where they have prayer lines and you've been prayed for and they've been prayed for and the mountain still remains. Some mountains in life are not to be removed but conquered. And as hard and difficult as it is for a mountain to climb, so also is it difficult and challenging for our mentality to be dealt with and to be climbed because we want God to fix everything in our life. But if He did... It would leave us faithless and trustless. And you wouldn't understand that there's a whole side of God. There's a whole, I've seen people prayed for. I've heard it prophesied that they weren't going to die. And they died anyway. So now you have the passing of somebody. And then you have God lying about it. And, and people have to deal with that and what have you. All of these things has happened to us. It's an immovable mountain. And once it makes it, what makes it even more frustrating, if you will, is when you've seen people prayed for for the same thing and they're healed, but you're not, or your family member's not. Does anybody feel me today? I'm going to use Joshua 14, verse 12, as an introduction to the idea that in the will of God, there are some mountains in our lives that cannot be removed. And they cannot be removed because they are there for our own good. I'll use that term because all mountains in our lives, not all of them will ever be removed. Why? Because they are our destiny. They and removing them would take away our value and our purpose. I want to submit to you here today with all of my heart. There's things in my life that didn't work out. There's prayers. Somebody said the other night in, a, in a, a little tone of frustration, I understand it, said somebody asked one time, are all prayers answered? And before they could finish, whatever it was they were going to say, I interrupted them and I said, yes, they are. They absolutely are. But what we call an unanswered prayer is the prayer where God says no. He said no, kind of, we're kind of like our kids. When you ask your own children, did you hear me say no? In Joshua 14, verse 9, Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. And thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. 
as he said, these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. This is Caleb speaking to Joshua. And yet as I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain. I want this mountain. I don't want it removed to make my life easier. I want everybody to hear me today. I don't want this mountain removed just so I'll have to conquer a plain instead of a mountain. I don't feel like climbing today. Wasn't his attitude. I want the mountain. I know it's rough. I know it's rugged. I know it's hard. And on top of that, I know there's a whole other race of people that possesses it. But I want that mountain. You know why he wanted that mountain? It may have been beautiful, and it had springs of water that would trip, trickle down it, and I'm sure he visualized a little cabin and a condominium and a porch and a hot tub and all of that on top of it. I'm being silly. But I believe there's something rose up on the heart, in the heart of Caleb that said, I want my kids and my grandkids to know that I don't care how big the mountain is in front of me. I'm going to conquer it. It will never conquer me. And I want to preach to some people here today. I know there's things in front of you, and don't look at my starch shirt and necktie and my freshly pressed suit and think that there's not mountains in my life. I wish we had this building so packed out there was chairs out in the lobby. I wish to God we would have people. We had already baptized 25, 50 people today. And there's a long line all the way out here waiting up to get in that water. There's, there's things in front of me that I want so bad I can taste it. I want to see this church grow and grow and grow. There's things in my family that I want to see happen. There's things in our church that I want to see happen. There's things in my personal life that I want to see happen. But I've learned a long time ago, if God took the mountain away, my life would be dead, dull, and boring, and there'd be very little going on in it. We need mountains sometimes to conquer. We need things to win in our life. We need our own attitude to say, you know what? That mountain is still there, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to sorrow over it. I'm not going to weep over it. If it's the will of God for that mountain to be there, then by the help of God, I'm going to conquer it. Sit down. I'm going to take you to another level. I prayed for my mother. She was in a horrible car accident years ago and ultimately died from complications years later. Uh, had dementia and whatnot. And I would bring, put her in the bed and either pray for God to heal her or pray for God to take her. And he didn't do either for a long, long time. I know how it feels to watch my mother die. I stood there and I watched her take her last breath. I have faced that mountain before, but you know what it did to me? It caused me to trust God on a level that nothing else 
else would have because I still believe to this day when she took her last breath, she made an ascent heavenward and I'm going to see her again one of these days. God don't always heal our body. He don't always heal our family. He don't always answer every prayer the way he wanted to. But it doesn't mean that he's not there. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. What it means is if you can trust God, he will give you the strength and the grace to conquer the mountain, whatever it is. God gives us the fertile plains. God gives us the fertile plains to those whose strength and constitution are small and weaker. He reserves mountains for those who are more hardy in nature and disposition along with faith, wisdom, and understanding. Mountains, though difficult to conquer, are a privileged blessing. He gives to those who have especially found His favor. It's not the easy life. It's not the easy road that are especially favored of God. It's not the crossless Christianity that he smiles on. It is he that goes forth bearing precious seed, weeping. The Bible said, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing. The harder the task, the greater the investment that God has entrusted with you. To be given a mountain is a statement by God that he thinks highly of you and he thinks highly of what he plans to do through you. Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, discussing this passage, makes some general comments and then relates the following conversation that is said to have taken place between Moses and Caleb in reference to Caleb's request for this mountain. Caleb, I, under, I will undertake to deal with that. And if I cannot get it done, if I cannot get it for my inheritance, then I will be without. Well, said Moses, it shall be thine own then. Win it and wear it. And that's my feeling here today. There's been things in my life, in my some 40 years in ministry, that God didn't remove it, but I had to conquer it. I had to conquer it. And what I couldn't conquer literally, physically, I had to conquer in my head with my attitude and with my spirit. Barriers keep bad out as much as they separate us from that which we desire. When you ask for a mountain, you are asking for a war. But a war won has great reward. Give me this mountain, Caleb said, whereof the Lord spake it in that day. Though it had been given to him already. Some 40 years prior, Caleb still asked for it. So he recognized that, not, that even though God gives one special destiny, it does not remove the need to pray about it. Just because God gives you a certain special destiny, does not mean that you still do not need to pray about it. And it is necessary to be in submission to authority about it 
and then to fight for it. When God gives you a destiny, it does not mean it will hit you on the head and, and that you will have to do nothing for it to come to pass. Rather, it will be a joint cooperative effort. God will do his part. God always does his part. And you must do yours. Mountains are beautiful to behold. Even so, fulfilling your God-given destiny has a beauty to it that nothing else in life can bring. It's worth fighting for. It's worth suffering for. It's worth dying for. Mountains are beautiful to behold and treacherous to traverse. Thank God he has promised to make your feet like hind's feet and to cause you to walk upon those high places. In other words, if God wants to give you a mountain, if God wants to give you a mountain, if God chooses to give you a mountain, he will empower you to climb it. Abraham wanted a promised land. Moses wanted a delivered people. David said to Saul prior to fighting Goliath, Is there not a cause? Nehemiah cried about the poor condition of the people. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Paul said, I go to the Gentiles. The Bible said in Acts 13, 36, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, then he fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. David's desire was to fulfill God's purpose for him. David had a dream for a kingdom and a nation to be based upon and built upon a dynamic relationship with a very living, powerful God. He had a big dream, and God allowed that dream to be fulfilled. Righteous people dream big dreams. They dream of climbing and conquering tall mountains for God. The wise man said that the wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and cast down the strength and the confidence thereof. The Bible said in Daniel eleven thirty two, but the people that do not know their God or, or that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I want to encourage everybody here today to pray big prayers, to dream big dreams. For such has been the pattern and example of those who have gone on before. Mountains are objects of desire of righteous people. And it's not enough to dream. You must do something about your dreams, about your desires. The psalmist said, ask of me. God said to the psalmist, Rather ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Jesus answered big prayers. In John 17, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which believe me on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. And they also may be in us, one in us, that the world may believe. That thou hast sent me. Elijah prayed the heavens withhold their rain that men might repent. 
First we dream, and then we begin to assail our mountain by prayer. We dream, we pray, we act. Each step is absolutely essential. Dreaming begins to move our heart and mind into alignment with God's desires. Praying begins to move blockages and obstructions out of our way. And warfare moves others into alignment with God's plans. We have to keep a focus on our destiny, and on our purpose. There's a reason that we're here today. It's not necessarily to have the mountain in our life removed, but it's our our job, it's our duty, our responsibility to conquer that mountain, to assure our own selves that we have the faith, the trust, and the strength to stand flat-footed on the Word of God and proclaim, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me been said no pain no gain no sitting on the right hand unless you're baptized with the baptism of Christ and the one that he is baptized with righteous men want to conquer territory for God Rachel said give me children lest I die the Bible said in Daniel chapter 9 in the first year of his reign I Daniel understood by books, the numbers of the years whereof the world, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he might accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. I set my face unto the Lord God to seek my prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Some saints today are praying, give me the valley. I want it easy. I want it beautiful and I want it sweet. I want it handed to me. Forget all the work that, and all that warfare stuff. But it's not God's path. You'll soon enough have your times of rest, Grace Church. But for right now, there's a mountain in front of us. Everyone has their own individual mountain. And then now in front of us, there's one in front of our church. I call it revival. Call it growth. Call it addition. I want to see this church grow again. And I'm not going to ask God to remove it. I want to conquer it. I want to conquer it. I want to leave my kids and grandkids a legend. I want to leave them something that's worth fighting for. If you'll put the picture back on the screen Noah so I'm going to ask you today you have a mountain what is it I can't get past this I've been fighting it ever since I've been in this pulpit I've been up here for what 30 minutes I think it's actually about 5 minutes I've been up here I may say to Addie and Sophie here today I don't know what's going to happen with your sweet mom and I know that's a mountain looming every day every day be careful when you ask God to remove it because he may heal all of her physical challenges or You may remove it in a different way. Be careful how you pray. But I want to say to you, sweet ladies, that no matter what happens, 
mountain, for whatever reason, God has given to your family that mountain to climb. It's been going on now for, what, several years? He's put it there for y'all to climb. Your challenge now is to accept it for some has to be some purpose some will of God and we're praying and hoping that one day we'll all see her completely healed and she'll be back on her feet we really don't know if that's God's plan or not we're trusting that but it's a mountain it's that picture right there and it's just in front of you all every morning you wake up it's a road and if you stay on that path and you feel like God's put y'all on a path and you're on this nice road and you know there was a time a few miles back when that road was looked like it was really leading somewhere but the closer you get to that mountain the more you realize what that mountain is and it's it's impassable so I pray for your give you all the mentality that says we'll climb that mountain no matter what that mountain ends up representing it could be the representation of an amazing miracle or it could be the representation of the greatest test you've ever faced in your life all of that's in God's hands it's in God's hands and Shelly, we had conversation about y'all's situation the other night. We all want that to work out. God knows I do. I know y'all do, but you look at the picture and I can see y'all's situation at the end of that. It's the form of a mountain on the picture, but to y'all it's something else. thankful to see the Hensons here. They've had a mountain in front of them for a long time, a number of years. And it just sure would be nice to see God remove it. And it would be fair to say that, Brother Murphy, you read a scripture that said if we ask, God would do it no matter what. He'd just take it out of our hands. There's context to that scripture. And I'll repeat again that Jesus didn't have the mountain in his own life removed called Mount Calvary. I could go up one side of this building and down the other and, and call out names of people. Virtually every one of us has something major in our lives that we would really love to have worked out. And we've prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And for some here today, it may ultimately work out and everything turn out just the way you want it. But there's others here today, the mountain's not going anywhere. It's going to stay right there. And one day you'll meet it head on and you'll either conquer it or it'll crush you. And I 
not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be real. I remember when my dad was in surgery. Patty and Sophie's grandfather assisted in that surgery back in 1973. They took most of his digestive organs out, portions of them. But a man that I trusted, I've known all of my life, known him all of my adult life. He's passed away now, but had a gift of faith and a gift of healing. He took a baby's legs one time that was all crooked right in church with his own hands run his hand down that baby's leg and literally pulled it out to a state of normalcy while people sat there and watched him. He was a miracle working man. And uh, he told one of my brothers that God spoke to me and said, your daddy's not going to die. He's going to live. And he died less than two weeks later. I don't blame that man. And I don't blame God. I did for a while, but I that was another mountain that I had to conquer. I want everybody to understand here today that God knows where you are. He knows how many hairs are on the top of your head. Do you understand that? He knows where you are. And there's not a person here today, there's not one person here today that your life is not in the palm of his hand. No matter what's happened to you and no matter how you interpret what has happened to you, your life in the palm of his hand. Kaylee, we prayed for your grandfather. We did. A couple of weeks ago, she had that big, huge mountain, and it was her grandfather. He was, they had called in hospice, and I asked you to pray for, for him. I did. I asked the whole church to pray for him on Sunday morning. He passed away. God didn't fail. But now she has a different mountain to climb, and that is to understand that God knew what was best and I trust that I trust that just feel like in this moment and it's like the, the people that are in this service right now is the, it's the perfect group of people it's like God orchestrated this moment for so many people there's people here today that has dealt with tragic heartache you've dealt with sickness and you pray and you pray everything to say, God, I believe, God, I believe, and what have you, it's just, and I just can't get, I just can't God get God to answer my prayer, I can't get God to perform that miracle, I can't get God to, and he said he would, he's not, you have to take it in context, So if you'll stand with me today, I want to give everybody in this building an opportunity. I'm going to ask you today not to cling to your chair. I believe there's people here right now that God wants to speak to you. There's people here today that God wants to minister to you. If you'll open your heart, he, he wants to give you some assurance. 
I'm not, I don't want to go as far as to say God's going to make you a promise. He may speak to you and remind you of this and remind you of that. And he may say this time next week, this and this is going to happen. That may happen. But my goal here tonight or today is to have everybody leave here with an assurance that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, whether God moves the mountain or not, I'm still going to trust him. I'm still going to live for him. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be in a place where I don't believe in God anymore. I'm not going to let that happen. A number of years ago, while they're playing softly, Sister Murph and I had just started evangelizing along with our two kids, of course, Marcus and Casey. And um, there were just some things that I was struggling with and, you know, staying busy and booking revivals to support my family. It eventually worked out, but I was at a point where it just, I, I was scared. And we came home, back to our home church in Baton Rouge. We were pulling a 30-foot travel trailer and we were in service one Sunday morning and Sister Murphy's brother, Ricky, and another lady that attended the church at the time, her name was Anita Babb. Some of you will know her. Excellent. Both of these people are excellent singers. They were called up to sing that Sunday morning. And um, here's the song they sang. As they were singing it, something rose up on the inside of me and I just wanted to run to the altar and just say, God, give me some assurance. I didn't do it because I was proud. I didn't do it because I didn't want people to think I'd sinned. I didn't do it because I didn't want people to think I was backsliding and bitter and all that. I just wanted some assurance. I just wanted God to say, I've still got you by the head, and you're going to be okay. Y'all understand that? The words go like this, a rocky road, a heavy load. Mark Carruthers wrote this song years ago. Got you wondering if you'll ever get over your journey's slow, your faith is low, and you wonder who will take the time to get you back on your feet and turn your bitter to sweet. Jesus knows all the burdens you must bear, and he will take time to care. So anybody got a heart that will not mend? Are you trying to live a life you can't defend? Are you in a battle that you just can't win? Bring it to Jesus. Anybody got a problem you can't solve? Anybody got a hole in their resolve? Remember, in His hands, the world revolves. Bring it to Jesus. You only learn when you've been burned. Aren't you wondering if you'll ever get over? What will it take? One more mistake? Aren't you worried how you waste your time? You think nobody can see camouflaged misery. My Jesus knows all the things you hide from Him. And oh, He died for every one of them. So cast your every care on Him. Anybody got a heart that will not bend? Are you trying to live a life you can't defend? Are you in a battle you just can't win? Bring it to Jesus. Anybody got a problem they can't solve? Are you in a battle? 
or you got a hole in your resolve, remember that in his hand the world revolves. Bring it to Jesus. So I want everybody here today as they begin to sing softly, is in your mind just get a good mental picture of that immovable mountain. I've prayed about it for years. Somebody said one time, I've been prayed for so much, I've just quit asking people to pray for me anymore. Bring it to me this morning. Would you come one more time? that heart that hurts so bad. God, I put my faith in you a thousand times. God, I did this and God, I did that. And God, this and God, this. I said this and God, I, I believed in you and all of, we've been all of down this path but there's this, there's this one thing, there's this mountain I just can't can't get past it. I can't move it. And God, it doesn't seem like you're going to move it. I want to tell you, you can be just as excited and happy and fulfilled serving God with a mountain in front of you as you could for God to remove it. And I've learned to live that way. God is still real. He's still alive and he still works. He still answers prayer. Yes, he does. But he teaches us sometimes how to deal with a mountain that won't be moved. He, he helps us to deal with the mentality and to trust him anyway and to keep holding on to our faith. Paul even prayed that I've got a thorn in my flesh. God, would you remove it? And God didn't, but God made this statement. And I'm going to proclaim it to everybody in this building. With your mountain, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is enough. He doesn't have to heal everything and answer everything the way we want it. He has the power to give you the grace and the strength to go through it, to live with it, to accept it, to receive it. So while they sing softly, ministry team, just roam around. You can virtually pray for everybody here today. I'm going to join you in a moment. But I'm going to ask everybody to lift your hands and face heaven with I know it's not over yet. God can still move that mountain. But till he does, I'm going to trust him. Till he does, I'm going to love him. Until he does, I'm going to be everything he wants me to be. I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to be bitter. I trust the power of your word. Thank you. 
Shit. 